Welcome to Bit Death Radio. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't actually like calling it like a podcast. Like it's not called the Bit Depth Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no the. There's no the. And there's no podcast. <laughs> it's just this is this is Bit Depth. Like the whole of the yeah. thing is oh, Bit Depth. I'm a fan. I'm a fan yeah. of it. Um, like, I mean, I don't know if Joe Rogan calls it like. He calls it the Joe Rogan podcast. It's like officially the yeah. Joe Rogan experience. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, he he has enough listeners to not care about PR shit like that. So I guess. The only podcast. Are we recording now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. The Meta only podcast, podcast I like regularly listen to. And is yours, is yours on um, Spotify, right? Yeah. Okay. I need to follow you because like I follow two podcasts. One of them I don't listen to. And the other one is the <laughs> is Old Row Radio. And... You know what Old Row is? It's the, um, it's this like demonic Southern fraternity Instagram conglomerate. And like the founders, like a drunken Oklahoma state graduate. And like, there's just these like weird, uh, weird guys. And they're like mid twenties, late twenties, maybe, um, who own this conglomerate and just make money off of like dumb videos of people doing frat shit, which is something I respect, but they actually have like a mildly like interesting, I say mildly and I like listen to it more than I listen to the radio <laughs> this podcast where they just talk about funny frat stuff. And like, you know, I wasn't in a fraternity or anything, but like yeah. I've had many, many friends, very, my best friends in college and frat culture is just really hysterical and entertaining to me. It's like a, yeah. the missing link is what <laughs> frat culture is. But I'm going to follow you right now. Okay, yeah. There you go. It's bit depth. There's, there we go. Some, I think actually like most people listen on Spotify. See, that's going to make it or, so or Apple much Podcasts. easier. So much easier because I'm used to listening to it. In fact, I'm going to listen to the Raglan episode tomorrow on my way into and from work. I'm just used to like listen to it on... What do you, I don't know what you used to put it on YouTube or some, or like a podcast website. Right. Well, no, I put it... It's, it's on everything. Now it is. Yeah. When I, last time I was... On it, I don't think it was, <laughs> but that was also years ago, so it's you my also, fault. You it, also have an Android, and so it's like, oh, yeah, it's a broken for, for bug of mess. Shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to get rid of this and buy a Chinese phone, um, because like I have this weird moral belief that if I'm gonna be buying like cheap Chinese bullshit, then it may as well be directly from the sweatshop workers instead of. Um, the middleman that the is middleman like, that is American and yeah. European countries. Like when I think about like high fashion shoes, I think about only wanting to buy bootlegs at this point because I'm like I want to buy it from <laughs> the people. And like maybe there is a middleman there, but there's got to be like less of a middleman between like a guy who oversees the shop and uh, Nike and Adidas. You know what sure, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds weird. It's still immoral, you know. Those people are still right. working in horrible conditions, but yeah. But, <laughs> but at least you're like trying to kind of help, kind of, <laughs> very minutely. Um, but no. What I wanted to talk about, I guess, is that um, we both recently graduated mm-hmm. from a university, the same university, technically. Um, and real adult human life um, creeping has sort of creeping. It kind of hit me. It moved fast. Like, like a ton of bricks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like you would think that, I mean, before you graduate, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, once I graduate, once I'm not in school, I'm going to have all this free time to like 
do the things that I want to. And you do for like a month or two. <laughs> and then you got to get a job. Right. But it, it's also like real, real adult human beings don't have time to do the things that they want. No. Um, no. And I don't know. It's 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 weird that the entire like backbone of society is held up by people who are dying. Yeah. People going to, to their nine to fives and just like putting their passions in a closet and never thinking about it again until they turn 65 and can retire. We don't even have that to look for. Yeah, no, we don't because <laughs> oh, uh, it's man. not like that. Social security money is going to be there for us. No, no uh, it won't. Or you can, you know, get a good enough job to fucking like have a 401k paid yeah. into. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. the goal. It's possible. <laughs> we're, we're, we're educated and like exceeding enough people. But, but that's the thing is that I don't know if other programs are like this. Or whatever, but like my teachers, once I was nearing graduation, I was like, so what am I going to do? You know, you're connected in this whole thing of the major that I'm doing. Yeah. How would I go about getting a job in this thing? And they just shook your hand and said, get out. Don't be here. Not quite. Um, I mean... I had a meeting with one of my teachers yesterday, actually. So it's not like completely cut off. And I also ran into Dustin today. That's awesome. Yeah. Where'd you run into him? At H&M. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Hi, Dustin. Um, <laughs> Hi, Dustin. But um, maybe, I don't know if it's like the institution's fault and maybe also our fault a little bit, but it's like. We, I know I didn't ask the question enough of like going about getting a job in this thing, or maybe they, they were just kind of like low key telling us the entire time and we just weren't listening. School, school felt too overwhelming working like Maybe it was a little bit different for you because, like, you had the um, ACM job mm. and, like, you could do stuff there. Sure. Like you could work on music. You could work on things you needed to. And it was during the day. Right. For me, I'd go to class all day, ACM main campus, and then, like, go to work till midnight. And it felt like that was every night. And so it felt like I didn't have time to do anything. Mm. And maybe that is on me for staying in the same job through college instead of trying to quit that and go do music. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that, like... But would I have had time? You, no, it's... Would you have been able to pay for anything? No. And I still wasn't. <laughs> right. So, no, it's, you're right. it's always, like... It's... We we have a, a plane that we're going on, and you can either go closer to the time side... Or closer, or closer to, to the, the money side. Money. Mm -hmm. But you don't get both. Uh, you either spend all your time getting money or you spend all your money making time 
<laughs> but you don't get both. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, sure. You, you stayed at that job and you couldn't quite like do homework on the job. Um, but at the same time, it's also what made it possible for you to keep doing it and yeah. actually finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, versus, I mean, I, yeah, I was lucky in that I had that ACM job, but I also spent all my time doing homework there. Yeah. Um, and then once I was not at work, I was still just in class. There was like the times in between there are like trying to enjoy a human life with a girlfriend, then fiance mm-hmm. and friends, and then somehow trying to keep doing music as well. <laughs> it is nearly impossible. So, I mean, I've, I'll tell you this. I have an easier time balancing those things working full time than I did going to school, which is weird because I felt less. Maybe I feel less stressed now um, because things are on a set schedule. And so, like, I can at least even if I um, even if I go, oh, I only have so much time during the week because I work, you know, eight to five every single day. Right. At least I know those evenings and those weekends are free and I plan everything around that. Yeah. When I was in school, it was like everything was changing like every three months. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and the fact that like also ACM, <clears throat> ACM is the type that like you, you only have one class per week. Yeah. So it's not even like a strict routine. Mm-hmm. It's very loose. Half the time you don't even have to show up. <laughs> um. ACM, I, I do not regret going to ACM whatsoever. Whatsoever. No, no. Um, Like, I could have done engineering. I probably would have done engineering Oklahoma State if if ACM didn't exist. Because I wasn't going to do music at a state school. Mm. But the program, I don't regret it at all. Um, So many people go through and just like, complain, bitch, and moan, bellyache. <laughs> it's like, what did you think you were going to school for? You think yeah. you were going to become... Robert Plant, you think you're going to become Katy Perry? Like, you're in Oklahoma. Get a reality <laughs> check. That whole, that entire point of that school was a reality check. Yeah, and I mean, someone recently asked me, because uh, he, he's going to, um, hi, Michael, uh, he's going to ACM soon for mm-hmm. production. He was like, how do I get the most out of ACM? And I was like, talk to your teachers for one pretty much you, like use those office hours and use that studio time yes yeah. um and already you're gonna be like far better off than a lot of the other sort of rich parent jerks that like yeah think that they'll just through. be a pop star overnight yeah um because they're you, you gotta do the effort yes and you know, I, I did spend time talking to teachers, but what I didn't spend enough time doing was using that studio time. Me too. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, My problem with that, you know what was creatively draining about ACM? It was not the teachers. It was not the classes. It was 100% the other kids. <laughs> I mean, you're talking like a 
couple few hundred people probably enrolled in that school. And there's like less than 10 of us. I feel I would go through and feel like I, well, I even wanted to like associate with musically. Sure. And so that's a lot of why I like didn't use the studio time. I didn't want to join people's bands because like it just, there's only so much time in life to make music <laughs> and like maybe it was detrimental to me to do this, but I didn't want to waste time making music with people that I didn't want to make. You know what I'm trying to say? I didn't want to make that kind of music. Right. And I mean, in some parts, which is kind of why they have like the bands that are assigned Mm -hmm. is, is sort of like, you got to get used to being in shitty bands. Yeah. Um, In the same way that like in school science projects that you have groups and like someone pulls the entire thing. It's like, yeah, you're going to be in situations where, uh, either shit's going to suck or the workload is going to be uneven. And I think especially so in music, but you can apply that to everything else is that like, you're going to have to compromise. Um, and you know, sometimes shit sucks. Um, so I mean, yeah, in the school bands, it's like, hey, we're doing this song. You're like, man, I hate this song. Well, I mean, I'm but like, you got to learn it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. All right, I'll do it. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I only have to put up with that in a class. I only have to put up with that if I'm gigging full time, eating ramen and, you know, struggling. Yeah. I have a job. I mean, it's not like a luxurious job. It's better than any job I've ever worked, and it's paying me more than if I was trying to gig full-time. That would be miserable. Exactly. And so that's why I feel like I can pick and choose, because now I really only have so much time. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, I mean, I'm I'm still gigging here and there. I haven't actually tried too hard lately to get bookings uh, because of everything else going on in my life. But, like... Uh, which by the way, if you're listening, you need some music for the blah, 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 <laughs> uh, contact me, book me. I play music, uh, but, <laughs> um, the musicians podcast. If you couldn't tell a yeah. hundred episodes, um, it doesn't have to be a musician's podcast, but it's Mostly since I'm men. a musician, <laughs> most of the people I talk to are musicians. So that's the context. Um, but I don't know. It's it's the same thing for anything else. If you have a passion for drawing, if you have a passion for freaking making sculptures or something yeah. like if you plug yourself into the matrix, as I've kind of been calling it, is you're going to you're going to be drained from yes. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and then once you get home, you don't have the energy to even pursue that passion yes and and not to mention all of the other responsibilities that come up if you uh buy a car or house uh are in a relationship and have kids eventually then the dream is dead (laughs) um and so it's like unless you spend every free moment of your time chasing that dream, the dream is dead. Um, 
and I I know of some people that they're trying to keep lying to themselves that the dream isn't dead and that every once in a while they're like, ooh, cool, I'm excited about this. But then they like fall right back in and then it's like, yeah, no, I've just been busy and just get home and like binge watch some TV and then go to bed. Been guilty of that past couple weeks. Right. No, I have too. Twin Peaks is uh everybody <laughs> watched Twin Peaks. Yeah. I mean I've been binge watching Westworld. Uh, Westworld. Yeah. So like fucking I'm not I'm not immune to that either. Um but I mean like if this is the entire backbone of society, we're fucked. Like <laughs> I know I say this a lot to people. I don't know what's next, and I don't think anyone can predict what's next, but they, we're not going to recognize it, and it may not come in our lifetime. I mean, there there has been some strange changes to to that formula of, like, wake up in the morning, go to work, watch TV, go to bed. Um, I mean, some people add, you know, after work, go to a bar. Some people add after work, go do some physical activity. But like the Internet has changed things. Um, there are people who can make their entire living through streaming content on the Internet, be it YouTube or Twitch or Mixer or whatever it is. And they that's a hard, weird thing. But it's different. Right. In a good way. And, uh, I mean, there are people that have, like, tens of thousands of Instagram followers. Um, and they're just influencers now. And that's, like, that's a job, I guess. Kind of. <laughs> it's empty. Don't let, don't let those, uh, those boats and, like, extravagant hipster food places fool you. Those people are empty. Right. That's how that's how we get Firefest. Um and that extreme and that's probably why influencers have become so prevalent because like you have this army of the rest of humanity that's like drained by their nine to five job and then they look at these people and go, That's the life I want. Even though the dream for me died a long time ago. But if I could just take part of that, then maybe the dream. This is really bleak. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah. And that's how we get Firefest. Yeah. Uh, Which or, is hysterical still. Right. Or or even just like, I don't know if you, uh, a friend showed me a video of like Coachella. Mm-hmm. And it was someone just like walking down the dirt. Uh, <laughs> and um, it was just like pods of people everywhere taking selfies God. with like the stage in the background. And so like Coachella became less about being at Coachella, but more about showing you other are. people that yeah. you are at Coachella. <laughs> yeah. Which is just a, a meta layer of existence. Dude, I mean, thank God. I feel like I've changed a lot. Um, 
whenever I was a lot younger in high school and stuff, um, I was just constantly irate about. <laughs> Excuse me. I was just constantly irate about people, humanity. Just yeah, yeah. Very um, misanthropic. You just like pull that up. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. Not good. That's sound. Yep. <laughs> you, you can edit that part out. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just super misanthropic and obsessed with how much I hated how people were. But like, I don't know. I feel like I've grown way out of that. And I'm like, ah, I don't give a shit about people. I can do what they want. Doesn't bother me. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not saying there isn't a concern. Uh, there should be a concern with the state of humanity. But it's it's a one that is a slow burner. Like I know the Area Fifty One thing is like a month away, but could you imagine if everybody remembered it and you have like a couple hundred people show up to that? That'd be, be like humanity breaking. Like I really like think like that'd be a lot with for everyone to deal with that people can just on a whim show up for a meme on top secret government property. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's funny. Um, that's that's a way that humanity is changing is like we're just becoming more erratic and postmodern. Right. But I, th- I think it's also the fact that so many of us are dissatisfied. That's oh, why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why it's like, oh, I'll take some time off work to fly to Area 51. That's a thing that's a that thing I'll do that do. will make me feel alive. I won't vote, but I'll go to Area 51. <laughs> Well, no, that's the thing. Those people did vote, and they voted for Donald Trump because the it would be funny. People? Oh, well, yeah. Now you got a point. <laughs> All right, if you're going to Air 51, please don't vote. Um. Yeah, I guess. Or just, you know, sign up as a independent and then vote for Andrew Yang. Please. <laughs> um. I talk about politics on this podcast sometimes, mm-hmm. but you know, vote for Andrew Yang. Other than that, um, no, I think that the vote area for Yang thing, until you have to vote for Bernie, just don't vote for Biden. Don't vote, for vote, the love of everything. Vote for anybody not. but Biden yeah. or Trump. God, that poor man's brain is collapsing upon itself. Yeah, he needs to he's, just stop. He's been having a rough couple of weeks, hasn't he? <laughs> Which is going to get rougher and rougher. Oh yeah. And just the more things that he says, yeah, the he worse keeps putting it's his gonna, foot in his mouth. Yeah. Wait, um, he called like black people like the poor kids or something <laughs> to some school. Uh, oh, Joe. No, I think it was uh, poor people can be as smart as white people or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, we get what you mean, and we also get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um. And and it's a funny thing, too, is that, like, since we're kind of bombarded with shit like this or the clear assassination of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, that, like, we're not even surprised anymore. No. No. <laughs> Everybody saw that one coming. And it happened anyway. Right. And it's, I mean, I guess you could call it a suicide if, like, Technically, him saying he would comply was his suicide. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell everybody about every billionaire I know. Mm, he, 
Yeah. So, I mean, of course he was suicided. Um, but, but that's the thing is like, we're not even like, of course he was killed. Yeah. And the fact that like, they're not even trying anymore. No. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) we're all in the matrix now and we're bored. We're bored. It doesn't matter. That's another, that's like, that's what I was like telling my girlfriend, Mary, Mary, I love you. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it happened. Yeah. We all know they killed him. Somebody, whoever they is, you know, somebody killed him. But like, does it matter? Like, what are we going to do about it? And that's what it feels like with everything lately. It's like, all right. Like we understand Everybody is 100%, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are, like, very lucid of how bad things are, and it's like, all right, but, like, what can we do about it at this point? Right. But that's the thing, is that that's, that's kind of why the uh, the Area 51 thing is kind of so... Profound? Yeah, because that's part of the point, is, like, they can't stop all of us. Yeah. So it's like, oh, how about we uh, we use all of this energy and momentum... To vote, yeah, to fucking make a real impact. Yeah. Um, well, that requires effort. Not clicking uh, RVSP on Facebook. Interested? Yeah, yeah. interested on <laughs> Facebook. Right. And uh, also speaking of RSVP, those of you who I've invited to my wedding, I need you to actually RSVP to the thing. You're looking at me, but I haven't gotten no, 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 on no. I know, but like, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've handed out a lot of these and gotten like five responses. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the meme will turn into something important. But again, I, I feel like that's that's part of why Donald Trump was elected is yeah. because everyone was bored and tired. And it's just like, not everyone, not everyone who voted for Donald Trump feels this way. But there but, are a few. Uh, I know that there are some that are just like, why don't we just fucking burn it? Oh, we shake things up. Yeah. Um, How'd that work out? Yeah. I mean, stuff has been shaken. Um, and the other weird part is that like, we're in like simulations within simulations. Like I am fairly liberal and progressive. And so the stuff that comes across my internet stream, um, is in that vein. And so I, since this is my bubble that I'm in, I actually cannot fathom how, any human being in the United States can be supportive of Donald Trump. Um, but I'm in this bubble. This is my my matrix that I'm in. And there's there's some combination of influences on your world that can make you believe that. So and but that's the harder part is that like, I actually cannot fathom it. <laughs> um, or 
maybe people just don't care. <laughs> it's a combination. Right. Well, on the way here, I was listening to a podcast about uh, the death penalty. Okay. And apparently, overwhelmingly in the United States, people are not overwhelmingly, uh, but they cited 60% are in favor of the death penalty, which is much more aggressive than other. Well, no, like are in favor of the death penalty. It's much more than I thought would be. Yeah. Um, Because again, I'm in this nice progressive liberal bubble that tells me that uh, state killings are wrong. Um, It's also just a combination of like my education and stuff like that. But like, that's another thing. Like I can't fathom how so many people can be in rural, rural America and be in favor of the death penalty while also being a devout Christian that says, Killing is wrong in many, many instances of their belief. There's something incredibly broken about... I don't know what it is. There's something broken, broken about people. (laughs) And I don't mean people in general. I just mean, like, what you're... Exactly what you're saying. Um, People who pretend to be something... Like Christianity, which is, you know, supposed to be something of, like, peace and love. And, like, they want brown people out of their country. They want to, They want the death penalty to be supported. They, I don't get it. I don't get it. it. It goes against everything that they say they are. But, like, why? Why are they hypocrites? Mm-hmm. How did they get to that point? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The... Just the long-standing, blood-soaked base, um, foundation of modern society is is white supremacy. Sure. And there's something about that, the, the creation of the other, that has driven these people. Yeah. <laughs> to act the way they do. They don't even know it. And, like, it affects more than just, like, white people acting like that, Christians acting like that. I mean, like, it it affects everybody. It gets in your head in a subconscious way. It affects everybody. Yeah. And, I don't know, like, maybe it's also hard for them to put themselves in someone else's shoes. Um, And maybe I'm just more empathic than most people, I guess. Um, but like, I can't remember which white supremacist dude that I was, that my dad sent me a clip of, but he was like, yeah, no, like white Europeans are the ones in power and we want to maintain that power, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, you guys are threatening my power, uh, that, that I've had for so long. And yet, they don't realize that that's what 
they've been doing to everyone else. Yep. For the rest of history. For the rest of history. <laughs> and it's it's not like I'm I'm not on the side of like, oh, we should just turn the tables completely and no. let's just do white slavery no, or like no. white genocide. Because that there are people that believe that and that's pretty fucked up. It's but nonsense. like um you but they're in the minority and they're crazy. Yeah. However, it like there was a much larger percentage of people that were okay with black slavery not more than 200 years ago you're right <laughs> and there are still people a large number an astounding number that believe that certain people are of greater or lesser value yeah and that, that's more of like a moral standpoint i guess you know uh, what it and, is and i i i know that not everyone thinks about morality as much as i do however Nobody thinks about morality <laughs> <laughs> um but like couldn't you put yourself in those shoes just a little bit there's too many factors. <laughs> There's too many veils, too many walls. I mean, you have politicians like Trump who take advantage of like these insecurities of people mm. and like paint them in a box and like make them think that like they're being attacked. Mm-hmm. You have, I, I feel like with most people, uh, especially white people, um, a lot of white people, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Liberal or conservative, they'll acknowledge, like, oh, racism is a thing. And the people who don't are just fucking horrible people. Mm. They'll be like, oh, racism is a thing. Racism is bad. But I'm not implicit in that. Mm. Because, like, they people don't want to recognize or fail to that the problem lies in the structure of how society has formed over the past, like, 500 years. Mm. They're just, like, absolute, like, rape and pillaging of the world by white people. And the problem lies in that structure. No one's going up to Joe Bob on the street and being like, you caused the death of Africa and all its resources. Like, no. No, because he didn't. But, But Joe Bob, you've got a responsibility to go, this was bad. There's a problem with the structure that we have. Mm. And like it starts with everybody recognizing that. And nobody's, not nobody, but a lot of people aren't ready to recognize that. And Mm. recognition is the first step before any change is possible. Right. Well, it's just like, check your privilege. Yeah, and it's it's true. And like that doesn't mean like, it's, it's what does that say about these people? What does it say about you when someone like says anything about privilege, says anything about the power structure, and it offends you, and like you get nervous about it, mm-hmm. you get insecure about it? What does that say about you? Yeah. So, I mean, talking about the foundation of Western society, um, and I know I like we we've gotten pretty bleak and dystopian here but is there any turning it around oh yeah 
Yeah. There, there are tons of people who can just be as pessimistic as possible and be like, nothing's getting better. Uh, you know, things have only gotten worse. And this is just not true. Like, things have gotten bad in different ways. But things have also gotten better than they ever were. So, like, I'm black, so I'll use this as an example. I can look at Ronald Reagan and Richard <laughs> Nixon and be like, oh, my God, crack has completely destroyed black communities forever on top right. of like all just the random like gentrification um gerrymandering like everything is just down mm. to like make it worse for like inner city communities but also i could not go out in public 50 years ago with my girlfriend and like not expect to like get shit for it and that was like in the 70s yeah yeah so you go a couple more decades after that, and, and I could not have gone out in public with my girlfriend and not been killed over it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't vote. Uh, things are getting better. Mm-hmm. Like, we're taking two steps forward, one step back. And it's still taking one step slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find it a little extreme. Some people are talking like, oh, are we at the brink of, like revolution or something no no i don't think people are angry enough yet no um and the people that are talking about a revolution are going to be talking about it anyway well sure but they're in the minority yeah um i'm sure like in you know the last time that there was a whole bunch of i mean the civil rights movement did have like a thing and an inflection point and then it like stuff happened clearly not enough happened but kind of like people got okay with some stuff for a little while and then it kind of settled back into the whole oh wait let's let's just slowly crank up the racism over time crank it back up yeah and and now yeah we we cranked it back up a little too high a whole lot yeah yeah um, even still, I don't think we're at the point of revolution. I think that what it is more so is that I hope that I hope that people can be a little bit more connected because that's kind of the hard part about what the internet has done to us is that we're both extremely connected yes. and not connected at all. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't know. Talk to humans face to face. Try. Yeah. But I think it's, another it's thing. A, it's a luxury. I don't think that some of our grandchildren are gonna, gonna <laughs> afford. Yeah. Maybe like VR or something will sort of be a, a placeholder for that. I don't know. You know, I, I, we act like, oh, it's impossible. Human interaction is gone. But like, I've made like many, many great friends through talking to them on voice chat on Xbox Live and you know, Hell yeah. group chats, and and it's you, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. I mean, with with gamers being <laughs> scapegoated in the media, equal to not equal to, but similar to. Uh, immigrants, then, you know, maybe uh, gamers will rise up. <laughs> gamers rise up. 
There's a specter haunting America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know this podcast is going to be called Living in a Society, right? <laughs> we are living in a society. Uh, we do live in a society. Um, Have you ever seen that? The, the, the Costanza clip? He says it like at least two times throughout Seinfeld. No, I haven't. We are living like straight up says we are living in a society. And the one of them is like doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like nobody will. Maybe it does. Some, sometimes Seinfeld hits a little too hard. Like he's like at a train station or something and no one will tell him the time. No, like, there's a clock on the wall and no one will tell him the time. And he just gets mad and yells, we are living in a society. Yeah. And that just hits a little too hard. Yeah. Yeah, but it's stupid. Sure. I mean, that's that's a weird thing too is that we we've gotten so connected that everyone's on their phones, but it's like sitting at sitting on a train or something. Yeah. Like nobody talks to anyone. No. no. Um although uh, I kind of prefer that in public transportation, but Sure. Well, cuz you you might I mean, we don't have any public transportation here in Oh, I used to ride the public bus to class from Edmond to the city. And, like, it's, like, public, public, not, like... Yeah, yeah. Edmond public. Sure. (laughs) The route I took since it went to the city, like, drove by um, the Social Security office. And so, that and the bus station in Bricktown. Yeah. So, there's some characters between those two places. (laughs) That is a an interesting thing. Is that um, I was at uh, the Edmund DPS recently, uh, renewing my license, and man, what a beautiful equalizer that is! Like it doesn't matter how loaded you are or how much of a criminal you are. You gotta you, wait. You gotta wait in that fucking line, just like everyone else. Um, be miserable <laughs> and be miserable. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. Anyways, something else that actually does make me optimistic. Something that I like asking guests lately. Do you think music can change the world? Not anymore. If it ever did, not anymore. <laughs> um, you mean, uh, we are the world didn't <sighs> solve no. World hunger and think created pop music will ever solve much. <laughs> I don't know. Music became too commodified. I'm not saying I want to go back to music being communal or anything. Like, I really like the concept of the album, and yeah. I hope that I, I hate that it's dying out. Now we're now we're in the the age of the stream, and you got to yeah. load. It's sad that people like Drake have to load double albums with 30 tracks that nobody likes just so they can get enough streams to get paid from it. And the album is dead. The concept of the album is dying anyway. Um, I'm still going to make hella albums. I'm going to make albums because I love albums. But like, (laughs) give it like 10 or 20 years and like, how much of albums going to matter anymore? Yeah. Like, that's if you care too much about the mainstream industry and again when i was younger i'm fired up mm, care about this and this makes me mad and i'm like oh, i don't care man it's so much cooler to find like a little niche in your city and like mm. be a part of a scene than it is to care about anything bigger than that to me right but i mean that's how i think music can change the world because it it really is 
more impactful than, I mean, it's, it's harder than, it's not as impactful as television. That's for sure. But I mean, YouTube is its own thing. What are you memeing over there about? <laughs> Jake Melvin texted me, Bodies is the worst song of all time. And immediately the scream from that song played in my head. And that's why I like, started laughing and snorting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my phone down after that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Something that we had to do for I think school. That, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just like wanted to add to like the previous thing is that the reason I'm like, ah, oh, music's too commodified, not communal enough. I want to be too communal. Blah, 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 blah. It, it's like music is the most accessible art form because like anybody can make music and be justified. Whereas mm-hmm. like for some reason with visual art, even though I feel like that's more accessible to most people, it's not. Mm. So it's not only like, like anybody can make music on their phones nowadays. Anybody can make music on anything they grab their hands on. It's more like, it's the most partaked in like art form. I would argue and say photography is. I, as an art form though like I, I don't count wedding photographs as an art form but I, would. I, but I see what you mean um, I, I'm, I'm more like a lot this. of money at that so it better um, There's, but <laughs> well, that, that, hell the more money there is the, the less of an art form it is <laughs> sure and that's true but. Uh, no I, okay what I'm saying is that like I really take music seriously. I really take rating songs and rating albums and like ranking things mm-hmm. and like giving like my objective reasoning to like how I feel about things mm-hmm. in music. I like really put a weight in a lot of that. And like a lot of people don't. It's because they're like, I don't care uh, that you think that this Yellow Magic Orchestra album is wildly important because it has crazy like um, resonant dark timbres and it's like the first album to use a 808 drum machine and blah 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 i don't care about that all i care about is um i oh, don't give me an artist i don't know little pump little pump billy eilish billy eilish wow billy eilish is just really like changing because you know because it's like something i just i listen to you know i listen to her music and that's all it is for most people is like i listen to this and that's okay but that's why i feel like Music can't change the world because that's all music. For most people, music stops at I listen to this, mm-hmm. and and that's, right, well, it's more like that for people than it is than Marvel movies. People take Marvel movies like they're the moving Mona Lisas, man. And I I like Marvel movies a lot, but like I also know they have little objective value. <laughs> right. I mean. Some of them have some artistic some value. Are. Some of them, um, yeah, but I'm talking about, we're talking about a massive, like, 30 film franchise. Right, and every, right. like, film to people is, like, the uh, the chalice from The Last Supper or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, right. again, you can't I'm not, tell me Captain Marvel was good. No, it wasn't. It's just a, a it was just a movie. Prop- propaganda arm of the, of the Air Force, actually. The Air Force. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, Top Gun 2. Oh wait, no, that's really happening now. Hey. <laughs> um, I got to tell you about this movie called Iron Eagle sometime. It's really bad and really funny. <laughs> um, 
Like, again, I, I'm not shitting on Billy Eilish. I'm not shitting on Marvel movies. I'm just telling you that, like, they, they mean, to me, Billy Eilish and Marvel movies mean about the same. <laughs> but people take those Marvel movies a lot more seriously. Yeah, but... So, I mean, this is kind of, like, a consequence of the late capitalism, as some people... Yep, we are in the end. We are in late-stage capitalism, for sure. Um, Which is the fact that, like, there is no more art without money involved. Mm -mm. Um, Not not that you're going to hear about. No. Um, Yeah, there's... I mean, even even as far back as the Beatles, though, and the Beatles was this weird thing that, like, somehow musicians this good actually did get Loaded. the spotlight yeah. um, of the world. And that's the thing is that, like, conveniently enough, they, not conveniently, but, like, they're, they're good because they did the work. They spent... A lot of time in that German bar. <laughs> super lucky at the same time. Right, yes. They could have been in that German bar forever. Forever. Um, and yet, cool. They got lucky. Mm-hmm. They did their job when they got that look. Right. But nowadays, everyone get- is like any of the people that anyone has heard of nowadays is just a product that has been manufactured by some marketing arm of a record label. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's why Billie Eilish is like the ultimate like modern day Zoomer pop star. Because (laughs) like she so clearly is just this like product that her I like I I really I don't have a problem with her I have a problem with the fact that her parents just like turned her into like a product and went uh we homeschooled this kid Mm, uh we're just gonna like use our money and like just like promote her and it's like what like you don't want your kid to have like genuine and maybe she does I don't know but like there's something different about Gen Zers compared to like millennials to me and she's like the ultimate like just disconnected uh example well, and they again, were born. She, they were born in the Matrix. Yeah, and she didn't do anything wrong. She yeah. was just unlucky to be born in the Matrix. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, what do you, what do you do now to make money with music? You become an Instagram influencer, is what you do, yeah, and it's not about a, the music anymore. No, it's just about the image, like, like electronic YouTube. It's just people going, hey, look, let me film my hands touching these knobs and these boxes. And it's like, <laughs> no one actually cares about the music that's playing or what, like what goes behind the programming even of like the sounds. Like people go, oh, my Octatrack. You see that Octatrack? Wow, that's a $1,400 instrument new. Wow, this person's touching it and I can see it. And that's just part of the uh, c- capitalist obsession in this like death this death throw that we're in right but i think it's like we're in like a vicious cycle of or a spiral of like what is the the thing that we want to listen to 
and obviously like the the 70s and 80s are back right um stranger things and yeah exactly um y'all y'all like egos those were in the 80s you can find Remember it synthesizers in, yeah yeah we used to have synthesizer tracks on everything and it sucked but like it's cool now yeah which you know dude props to stranger things guy for making my music cool again uh by the way i score films yeah and i'm working on scoring a short film for my friend in ohio cool. it's gonna be pretty awesome he's pretty much giving me like free reign to do whatever i want do it it's great yeah <laughs> i also score films um please hire us yeah <laughs> uh as we shit on everything that you love um billy if you're hearing this let me score not. your home films <laughs> um but uh, anyways i think that like what people are listening to is because someone is telling them to. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at some point, Billie Eilish got big enough to where Spotify was like, you should be listening to Billie Eilish. Um, and we're going to keep telling you to because that's the thing. Someone has dictated the thing and we're doing it now. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I, I do want there to be a future of music. Something that I've, I've been asking people lately on the podcast is, is what, what is the sound of the future? Because as far as I can tell, uh, with musical ideas, we were done with musical ideas with John Cage 433. Now yeah. we're now we're just making new sounds. Yeah. No, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Because um, people obviously aren't going to accept something outside of these 12 tones. No. Um, Maybe. So that's... N- no. <laughs> hey man, people like Aphex Swim because of his microtonality and uh, King Gizzard. Uh, they do it yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Scales. Um, like, as far as theory goes, it's over. Like, we've right, learned all we exactly. need to learn, but that's the, okay. We don't need to go any further. There's a lot. There's a lot. Sure. I mean, I mean, I guess maybe to some people. I, I've like gone through to the other side and I'm looking at music theory and I know that there's more that I haven't discovered, but I also know, I know what I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I see that, that dark area there and I'm like, yeah, I know that that's there. I don't care. Um, so it's like, yeah, now we're just onto new sounds. And I don't know what those new sounds are. That's why I've been into like so much noise, noise. lately. Yeah. Um, because um, keep going. What? Let's keep going. Oh yeah. Well, because because noise is the the newest thing to my ear 
that is beyond just uh, yeah just like these seven notes in a scale and the everything else with five going to one two going to five or four going to five and noise is the coolest thing that I've been hearing lately that has been allowing me to feel something different. Yeah. Not that I haven't been feeling something with music, but it feels different. That's probably why Death Grips is such a like meme, but also... Oh, they're 100% the most important band of the 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> because they're making something different. Different. And it's actually different. People go, oh, no, industrial hip hop exists. No, no, it's just, it's not the same. Like, they're really doing something different. They're not doing straight noise hip hop. They're not doing straight industrial. They're doing something like new. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing sounds like Death Grips until after Death Grips mm-hmm. to me. Sure. There's a reason Bowie and uh, Bowie was listening to Death Grips when he made Black Star before mm-hmm. he died. There's a reason he talked about them. Mm-hmm. Beyonce as well is a big fan of Dude, that. Uh, that picture of Death Grips with Robert Pattinson at a Beyonce concert is one of the treasures yeah. of life. Robert Pattinson is on yeah, a he, Death Grips album. He played um, he played the guitar on Birds on government plates. Yeah. So he's a, he's an unofficial member of Death Grips, and yeah. he's he's made quite the the career turnaround from from Edward the Vampire to fringe member of Death Grips and like art film actor extraordinaire. Yeah, and Batman and Batman. Yeah, he's made an Batman amazing. likes Death Grips. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah, and the the thing is too that if you think of Batman. Batman would like Death Grips. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Because, I mean, what else is going to appeal to the torment of the madman that wears the mask other than Death Grips? It's great. (laughs) I love how, um, I don't know, the DC movie maker guys, but, like, they were real mad at the one guy for a while because, like, he made Batman, like, a moody psychopath. And like Batman versus Superman and stuff. Batman and, is a moody side. I know. But People are like, what? Why is he not like a, a model good guy superhero? Why is he acting like an asshole? Because like if somebody was really Batman, they'd be crazy and they'd be an asshole. Right. Right. But he still has a rule of no killing. That's why that <laughs> fucking sucked. It's, it's not great to <sighs> betray a character's ideals, especially whenever you're doing so many other homages so the comics that's that's what was I hope Than doesn't hear this part and get mad at me I think I think Than would appreciate certain things about all of the DC movies even if no no he wouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> we love you Than yeah um, but anyways new sounds what's the sound of the future the Chase. sound of the future yeah. is the combination of acoustics and electronics, which is something that has been going on the past 
nearly a century. Well, no. No, I'd say a century. Uh, it's almost been a century. And we're still not there yet. Um, like, what year was Silver Apples of the Moon for this? Quick, if apples. you haven't, if you haven't looked up Silver Apples of the Moon, uh, it's the. I mean, that's sixty-seven. Yes, it was the first electronic composition to be commissioned and released. On a record label. And then there's the band Silver Apples that came like a year later in Tribute, who are also one of the first like electronic acts. Yeah. Um, it, we're talking late 60s though, but there's there was experimentation with stuff like theremins before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, Forbidden Planet has like the first or at least the most important beginning film score that's like electronics and those are like people in labs. Yeah. Um, electronic technicians not musicians but no um so like one album i always point people to is called velocity design comfort by sweet trip yeah such a good album and it's like i've spent i've spent many years studying that album and now i get it and it's like they combine shoegaze with like ambient idm glitch music and Mm. like that's insane and like nobody's really done it since and it's, it's crazy because, like, that's what I mean by you have the timbres of shoegaze guitars, real instruments. You've got mm. people singing. But you've also got, like, the um, unpredictable aspect of glitch. You've got the programming of, like, 90s electronic music. Mm. And that's, like, a new thing that, like, people still, like, aren't caught up to that yet. If if rock isn't going to die, that's where it has to go. Rock is dead. I know. But I'm <laughs> saying if it wants to come back, if it isn't going to die forever, yeah. it has to embrace electronics. We talked about bands. this the last time that you were on. Rock yeah. is dead. And nothing's changed in the past four <laughs> years. I mean, Death Grips, they're a thing. They've always been a thing. They've been a thing since the last time I was on here. Death Grips has come close. Um, What else? What else is even... Um, vaporwave was a cool organic thing. I mean, it's still, but it was it was based around nostalgia. Yeah, but like, okay, it still is based around. So let me expand my. We have to combine electronics and acoustics. We have to think about timbre and feeling. And vaporwave was based entirely around nostalgia and timbre and feeling and mm-hmm. like what it elicits. And so, my favorite album of all time. Music Has the Right to Children by Boards mm-hmm. of Canada. Amazing songwriting, amazing compositions, mm-hmm. but what really makes that album crazy, and like I know it was purposeful, um, is just the feelings that mm-hmm. are elicited by just all the random things thrown together, like children's voices with like low rumbly synthesizers and like mm-hmm. dusty old like hip hop beats. I mean, like, it's all really, like, meticulous in, like, what they're trying to, like, get out of yeah. the listener. And I feel orange. like... Orange. Orange. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people, when they make music, don't think about what is the listener getting out of this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go, I want to I want to tell a story. I want to mm-hmm. say something, which mm-hmm. is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how I make music. But, like, when I'm thinking about getting in the driver's seat, I'm going, what can I make something feel? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I 
I do both, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you have do. to. You have to. And that's like what I'm saying, like going forward, like we've got to think about eliciting feelings. We've got to paint albums and songs like they're movies. Mm-hmm. We've got to really like framework it. Which is a, an interesting thing that um, like the movie industry has expanded it's, or at least dying. the sure have you but seen, have the, you seen, um, in the same way that the economy has sort of yeah expanded outwards as in uh the big movies are getting bigger and the, the small, small movies are getting, are getting smaller. smaller have you seen um once upon a time in hollywood no it's basically like tarantino's hey remember hollywood just kidding. This isn't really Hollywood, but like also like movies used to be made with care and that's kind of dead now. Yeah. But here's a feel good like. Right. Thumbs up. Like, you know, we can still make movies of feeling if we want to. Yeah. And I think that you know, somehow the public has latched on to film mm-hmm. so greatly. It. I mean, the fact that Endgame surpassed Avatar recently means that a new thing was able to make more money than the old thing. Cool. God, yeah, that's all we think about now. <laughs> I read, but, like, but at the same time, it, it does mean that people appreciate. Do they? Okay, let's talk about like the top three grossing films that people have talked about recently endgame which took forever to pass titanic no they passed titanic they passed avatar that took yeah, forever yeah. and now people are going lion king the remake of lion king the no, lifeless remake is, is is now the third most uh grossing film by disney and i'm like how why because everyone what? had to see it so think it, about it, this again it's like you have a movie Directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Ten years ago, that would have been world-breaking. I mean, he's and, done uh, it. He's Kurt done. Russell. Yeah, yeah, Kurt Russell's in it. I mean, it has all kinds of people in it. Uh, Al Pacino. And it's like, none of those stars mean anything to people anymore. No. And like these are like talented like people who like really work their lives on their mm-hmm. craft, and that means nothing anymore because people want to go look at like really bad CGI lions of like uh that is like a lifeless remake of a very beautiful animated film, and mm-hmm. it doesn't even make sense why yeah. people would want to see that. Right, but I, I also think that like critically, I think people are paying more attention now. Are they? Yeah. No, I think like I mean people are a lot okay. of people the people we know. Right, right, sure. Twitter, I mean even people we don't know on Twitter our Twitter feeds. Yeah, people trash the Lion King, but like that didn't stop it from becoming the third highest Disney film. Well, that's the thing, money doesn't equal critical success. Um Venom was like one of the Dude, biggest movies funny. whenever that came out. So I mean, yeah, that was an objectively bad but funny right. Movie. But but that's the thing. It's like if people people will go out to see it's the same thing with like memes. Memes can just be straight up garbage, but they get shared a whole lot. That's why like forty yeah. year old moms share minions. Um, 
<laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's good. But I think that the conversation is getting a little bit smarter around it. Um, or at least more people are trying to have a smart conversation about it. And that's just like saying like everybody's aware of how bad the world is in general. Sure. It, it could apply to the movies too. <sighs> this is getting bleak again. <laughs> I think that the more that people are appreciating films, even if the film industry is dying, um, the more kind of woke, dare I say, people will be. Um, I hope so. I mean, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home had like an actual message which was interesting. What was its message? I went and saw it and I loved it. Now I remember what message you're talking about. That people can make reality what they say it is. And we've lost all touch with what actual reality is and what the reality that people tell us it is, which yeah. is kind of something that we've been talking about this entire podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if the fact that, like, a media giant like Disney is allowing, Disney and Sony is allowing this sort of message to be put out genuinely, or at least the filmmakers put it out genuinely. I don't know if it's quite the money put it out genuinely, uh, <laughs> but the message is there. I think that there's some hope for that message at least um and yeah we can count on the fact that like lots of idiots probably did go to see the movie just because it's spider-man or just because there's explosions or whatever hey man i went to see it just because of spider-man so i'm not following people too much right <laughs> i mean so did i but hey look an actual message yeah, yeah. um Still doesn't change the fact that uh, Into the Spider-Verse is the single oh, best Spider-Man movie ever made. It's maybe the best superhero movie. Like, straight up. Yeah. And just so stylish. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I wish animation was taken more seriously. Right. Well, we wish lots of things were taken more seriously. Yeah. Anything um, good. Just, you know, good means not, not taken seriously, I guess. Uh we can, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we, we've gotten way in the whatevers. Yeah, we were talking you... about the sound of tomorrow, and I don't know. We got to, it's, it's, it's all about timbre. It's all about eliciting feelings. It's about, and timbre doesn't just mean like one instrument and like, oh, my synthesizer. Um, I have these harmonics and these overtones and this and that, and so this elicits a feeling. No, think about it like, when I said with Boards of Canada, I've got a child's voice um, on top of like a really rumbly uh, square wave with distortion and like also like dusty drum samples and like we're painting a picture with different items, different <laughs> brushes. That's what I mean by timbre. Um, Eno's awesome. Brian Eno is awesome. I mean, 
amazing musician. He understood this timbre thing decades before a lot of people. Music for airports. Yeah, I mean, was that the first ambient album? I gotta look into that, but it's one of them. He invented the term ambient music, did he not? Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, a lot of his stuff is like piano and synthesizer, and that's painting a picture. But it's like, all right, that's what we were doing in the '80s and the '90s. Mm-hmm. We could take it a little step further now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate Billie Eilish's music, but if I can say there's one thing that her and her brother are doing right, it's like there's using cool timbre. production in there. Timbre, production. They are doing it so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to like their music to know that they are talented and they are doing that incredibly exactly. well. Even her voice, the way she uses her voice with the electronics is exactly what mm-hmm. I mean. And so, like, at least, like, people can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? But, but that's what I'm saying is that, like... Even though the people's perception of the music is sometimes garbage, um, there's like we're sort of opening it up to a new sort of lens. You're right. And so for for people to, for so many people to be listening to Billie Eilish, and there's got to be a reason. Right. And to start thinking about production in this way. Yeah. Yeah. um, No, it's not so much about like, a reason for that. The reason is money, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the, at least what they're doing, um, is good, which is like why I brought up the Beatles earlier. It's like the reason everyone listened to the Beatles is because there was money putting it everywhere. Yeah. Um, they put out three films. Yeah. Um, Dude. And I'm they are, you. People act Awful. like the boy band is like a, a 90s invention, but like the Beatles literally the, are doing what BTS yeah, yeah. does now. Yeah. I mean, help was straight up garbage. It's hilarious. Yeah. But it's straight up garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. Hard Day's Night Slaps. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. But um, it's just like. They had the money to do it. Yeah, so they did it. They so they did position. it. Right. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, Billie Eilish has tons of money yep. thrown into that entire product. The product itself might not matter that much. But at least the product itself is actually pretty interesting. Production-wise. So that's nice. Even though it's not even like saying anything new, because it's it's not. It's sounding new. Yeah, it's sounding new, which is cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's what we're and, and maybe that yeah, that is what we need. Um, and I mean that's probably why like Lincoln Park was so popular in the two thousands. Yeah, because they rap were like, rock hey, is a thing rap that people went, and rock. Yeah, even though the message of Lincoln Park was like, oh, I feel so ugh, and that's. I mean, that's basically what Billie Eilish is now. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I'm kind of messed up. Infinitely relatable feeling. Yep. Um, because if you don't use actual specific words to tell an actual specific story, then you'll just appeal to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, I feel like that's that's a good way. Of, what's what's something that name three musics that people should listen to. Like, like anything or like now? What's out now? Um, 
whatever you find more important as a priority. Anything. <laughs> um, can I just name my top three albums? Go is that, for is it. That good enough. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give my top three albums with said artists. Just to. Why do you need to look it up? You're like reaching over to the computer, like, oh, I gotta verify that my top three. Had to remember in my entire <laughs> life. Um, <laughs> music has the rights. Children by Boards Again is like the most important album of all time to me. And I don't think that'll ever change. Um, many of my friends who know me know this. Many of my friends who have ever heard me talk about Boards of Canada listen to Boards of Canada and really like it. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. If, if I got to convince you with, like, one song by them, specifically from that album, um, is it Aquarius or is it Roy G. Biv? What do you think? Um... I don't know. It's been Aquarius is the I generally listen song. to Aquarius? the entire album oh, the whole at once. Album and, whole. and so I don't actually remember well, the, the which songs orange, are which. That one, that's Aquarius. Oh, okay. That's what has like the sick bass line. Um and then well they both have I'd say Roy G. Biv is probably more like important. Listen to Roy G. Biv. <laughs> Think about um just listen to it and listen to all the textures. Listen to the, the rumbly uh SH one oh one bass line that takes it out. Um the pretty like piano samples, the um, just the vague children talking through it. It's just a really <laughs> beautiful, beautiful sound, beautiful song. Music has the right to children. It's one of those albums where it has it has a title you think about. Um, it's like it's not asking does art deserve to be just removed from the artist. It's like saying like art deserves. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know. it's also funny, it is which also is interesting. Funny. You say it's funny. I mean, it's kind of funny. I, I love They're it. They just like inverted the phrase. Children have the right to music. Music has the right to children. But it's so true. It's music so doesn't true. have rights. That's Some, the funny part. But it does. <laughs> art, art does. Art does have it. Have rights. There's mm. there's a lot of good art made by horrible people, and then there's like a lot of like mediocre art made by horrible people that just isn't excused. Like Kanye, you've really slowed down, man. Like I can't, I I can't listen to Kanye. Anymore. I can't listen to him anymore. I used to love him, and like, there's just something about his music that just his early music's still good. Right. But I just, this decade I just still don't listen to, to it though, because I yeah yeah no I'm with like you. Him as a person so yeah, much now, so much now, and you have to you have to really get out of your way for that to happen. <laughs> um, oh Kanye, oh Kanye, um, Long Season by Fishman's is is another album I think people need to listen to. It's a 35-minute um, composition. Uh, it's, like, almost indescribable. It's just this out-of-this-world, psychedelic, dream-pop dream in a cave. Um, it, it's it's an impossible-to-describe album. It, it features a lot of, like, dub-style um, electric bass playing with, like, insane synthesizers. And, like, they, they I think they... Um, on the I, I own it on vinyl. It's like the only vinyl pressing ever, and I like stalk Japanese websites for like two <laughs> years to get it. What was it again? My brain went somewhere else. Long season by Fishman's. Okay, yeah. No, I um, did hear it. I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's just a pretty in the in the 
fold, you know, the inner sleeve mm-hmm. or whatever, like they're in front of a cave, at least the instruments are. So I think they recorded a lot of it in a cave and it sounds like it. Cool. And it's just like one of the prettiest like song journeys I've ever heard. And it used to be my favorite album, but like I think I I, I relegated it to two because Music as the Right Children has had a bigger effect on me as a musician. Mm-hmm. But like Long Season is something that I feel like everybody needs to hear. And again, that's one of those like, a lot of my friends are into Fishman's, listen to Fishman's, love it because of me, because of talking about Long Season. Um, it's a very likable band and album. Now, cool. my third album is, 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 is a new addition to the top five, and it kind of leapfrogged Whoa. over a couple albums. Um, and I didn't rate it for years because, like, I, I'm, I'm a Yellow Magic Orchestra worshiper. I think they're like the most important electric electronic band ever. And like, I really like get sad when people try to like relegate them as just being like a second mate, like a second. What's, what's, what's the word when like second rate, whatever second rate, you know, um, not the first choice. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. People just like think about them like that to craft work. And it's like, they're not even like similar in any way. <laughs> like craft work was like making like, you're primitive, not primitive, but like, like simple, simple. No, I don't mean simple in their music style. I mean, like the synthesizers they were using were way different. They were like European, like kind of primitive synthesizers. Um, and they were making simple music, but like what they were doing was really important. But like Yellow Magic Orchestra was a band of like three, like wildly talented, like uh, from wildly different backgrounds, session musicians who met a guy who was rich and obsessed with these like electronic synthesizers. They were coming hot off the presses in Japan. Like they had access to like the latest Roland stuff. Yeah. Way before everybody else. And they took advantage of this by like learning it before everybody else and like mm. really like digging deep. And you know, they're 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 more like craft work. And I think that's the problem is their first couple albums they are like craft work and that's what people have only heard. But their mid career, those like next like three or four albums are like insane. Like the the jump <laughs> they made from like nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty eighty one is a massive jump in musicality and like um, technique in programming a new era of like instruments. So with that, what's your number three though? <laughs> what? What's your number three though? Oh yeah. I got in talking about the band. Well, it's their album, uh, BGM background music and it's anything, but it's just this, like, um, it's filled with like just the craziest synth sounds you've ever heard, but also like really good like experimental songwriting in in contrast to their pop. Like they're still pop musicians, but they're like mainstream pop oriented first couple albums. This is like a total like workshop yeah. and experimentation, and it's um it's a really fantastic album that I think everyone should hear just to like hear something you've never heard before. I don't think a lot of people will ever like the album like I do, but it's like something that you'll never hear yeah. anything like it. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's like one of the first uses, if not the first use of, of um, the Roland 808 drum machine, which is like the most famous drum machine ever. Everybody loves it. We'll go mm-hmm. listen to it in a in an application that was before everybody else and wasn't like trap beats that you've heard a million times. These right. are like insane, like hard to bend your head around techno beats. Yeah. 
Um, then in which case, I'll list some albums that okay. you should listen to yeah. that are like right now. Okay. Um, one, I would say Brighter Wounds by Sunlux. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been repping Sunlux for a while now. Bro, um, Ian Chang blows me away. Yeah, dude. Um, that swing, he like his swing is insane. Anyways, I can't wrap my head around his drumming. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, but Brighter Wounds is also a really important album now. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Lott, the main sort of composer songwriter, um, he wrote this album at a time when one of his best friends died of cancer and he had his first kid. And so this was also around the time that Donald Trump was elected. And so he had this whole slew of like feelings, life and death and terror. Yeah. Um, and so it's, not only is it just so emotionally wrought um, and sort of current, mm. uh, it's also really interesting and new sounds um, using traditional instruments yep. in a really weird yeah. and cool way through production. It's, I mean, you can, it's, you can count it as post-rock. Yeah. Because they're thinking about timbre. Right. And there's, I still don't know how, I asked Ian Chang how he did the drum thing in all directions. Mm-hmm. The, like, roll thing. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I was, like, stretching the grid, or I was playing with, like, stretching the grid or whatever. And I'm like, I still don't know. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> like visualize that for me yeah (laughs) you draw a picture with stick figures um but i mean yeah um another one is sure i'll just go with the money store by death grips yes Um, absolutely i think it's I mean, it, as hipster as it sounds to go like, oh, their earlier stuff was less blah, blah, blah. But like it is before Death Grips had all of the success. Yep. Um, And so it is a lot more raw. It's raw, but like it's also like their most accessible. But that's a good thing. Yeah. Because it's like it's already pretty yeah intense it's like music that you could play at a club and not even think about it but mm-hmm. like if you like focus if you think like a little bit yeah you focus you're like, for one to two seconds you're like what is going what am i hearing right <laughs> yeah um and that's how i mean it's great yeah um but it's it's pushing the boundaries of what you are to expect of electronic music of yeah rap yeah of i mean even just looking at the lyrics, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Because his... His lyricism is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you'll need a thesaurus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the money store is uh, impactful. 
Yes. And it's it's something that I think people need to hear to sort of go, oh, this is what this is the hype. New things are. Yeah. Um and then I guess a little uh more traditional per se, uh, but a romanticism by Moses Sumney. Um he um he uses his voice in a really interesting and cool way. Um, it's kind of a short album too. Uh, I think it's like about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian Chang actually plays on one of the tracks on that album too. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but, um, it, explores unconventional ideas um, with a really great usage of the voice. Um, in a, it, you in said a, Moses Sumney? Yeah. Okay. In a way that um, you wouldn't normally expect from male vocalists. Okay. Because that album, he sings almost exclusively in falsetto. Yeah. Um, so I mean, his range and the the openness to like there's like vocal mistakes mm-hmm. in it. Oh yeah, you don't hear that. Um, you never hear that anywhere <laughs> else. Um, like there's some songs that I'm pretty sure they just did in one take and then just added the production yeah. stuff around it. Yeah, because you can kind of tell that like here's a little vocal tick. That if you were practicing and that came out, you'd be like, ooh, crap. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, but in my time sort of absorbing the album, I've sort of wanted to figure out how to do some of those things. So it's it's a cool thing. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Moses Sumney, um, I think is a voice towards the future as well. Um, because he's using his voice, a very traditional instrument and guitar and stuff, but using production and stuff, uh, to make something really cool and new. So, yeah. I'm a fan. Um, Chase, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me, man. Can I talk about my music at all? Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. Go plug your stuff. Um, so my artist's name is Piero Lefo. Uh, <laughs> it means, what is it? Piero the Fool or something. It's, um, it's a French archetype of like the sad clown. Mm. And I feel like that applies to me a lot sometimes. Insert and it's also a uh, watchman joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, um, a Godard film, Piero Lefo. And, um, it's just a, postmodern French new wave assault your senses kind of movie but like also like the archetype the character the idea of like the sad clown in the modern world I just mm. I, I feel like it fits me in my aesthetic in my like musical themes mm. um, you can find me either look that up you know I'll have to send it to Santiago how to spell it because it's yeah, French yeah. but um, you can also find me at soundcloud.com slash the champion and you can find pretty much all my social media at The Champton. Yep. Um, yeah, I make a lot of uh, 
wild electronic stuff i'm experimenting i'm trying to write music to actually like write an album where i'm like singing and stuff rather than just like a bunch of like demo throwaways that i make in my free time all right but yeah. uh which track do you want at the end of this which track do i want at the end of this um can i send one to you can yeah, we, like, yeah we'll figure it out after the pod. okay but there there will be a track there will be a be... track and it's gonna be sick and yeah um yeah, I hope it's not borrowed time, because that's the track that everybody loves, but it's really <laughs> old, so we'll try to find something newer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me, Pierre LeFo. Um Come catch me at a random hipster's house in Oklahoma City, <laughs> um, playing against my will, kidnapped by angry crowd rockers. Sure. And maybe at sorry. some point I'll kidnap you and get you to play drums. Some point. Some, some point. point. <laughs> um, yeah. Once again, thank you for doing this with me. I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Chase Hampton. Uh, you can find everything on that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. The latest thing that you can listen to of mine is Machinations, which is on my website, SantiagoRamones.com slash podcast slash machinations i need to make a shorter url for that but you know that's where it is right now so do that um but that was my master's recital which uh was two years in the making with a whole lot of electronic stuff choir pieces um brass quintet piano solos some jazz pieces so um, but the first seven pieces are an anthology series exploring technology in the future, like Black Mirror, but with music and less pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, it's not nearly as pessimistic as our as our pod here. <laughs> um, and yeah. You can find the podcast on pretty much every place that you can find podcasts. If there's a place that it's not on, let me know. Uh, you can leave comments and reviews and stuff. That stuff really helps. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. Oh, my God.